Good day. And welcome to episode 52 of the Aaron Wayne podcast. The washing machine just started. Oh my god. I'm not going to talk about Ukraine today. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I might a little bit. Oh my god, the washing machine. Hey, uh, most people aren't listening on YouTube, but if you are, subscribe to the channel. It's embarrassing. It's like embarrassing. Help me out. If you listen to the audio and you don't even use YouTube, just go over to YouTube and subscribe so that I can uh, feed my ego. I'm trying to start a cult here, and it's not going to happen with 24 subscribers on YouTube. It's not going to happen, especially since I built this little space in the dungeon of a basement that I live in. I don't live in the basement. I live in the house, but the basement... I'm not stopping the podcast. I haven't put a podcast out in two weeks. And just because my wife's doing laundry doesn't mean that I'm not going to do this podcast. I'm committed to it. 2022 is going to be my year. I think. My face is all washed out. This is what happens when you don't do a podcast in two weeks. All right, that's better. Change the lighting. If you're still listening, you better subscribe. Because if you've listened to this terrible 90 seconds that I've put together for you there must be something that's keeping you here so stay tuned for it I'm not talking about Ukraine I might talk a little bit about it Ukraine thing kind of sketches me out because I feel so bad for all the people that are suffering over there but (laughs) what a (laughs) screwed up thing to say I feel bad for the people suffering but let me tell you my opinion no I um you know, I saw a perfect meme uh, that's been circulating around uh, that said um, it was something to the effect of like, hey, I, hey, guys, I, you know, I regret to tell you that I'm moving on in my life over the last two years as an epidemiologist and viral sp- uh, specialist. I've decided uh, to retire from my position and become a foreign affairs specialist, <laughs> something to that effect. And I was like, that's so true for so many people, myself included. But so I'm, I'm trying to not do that. I'm trying not to do that anymore because that, that meme actually was kind of exposing of what a lot of us do in our discourse. And we pretend like we know more than we do. Um, I mean, when's the last time? Think about the people that give you uh, hot takes on things and then consider how many books they've read. Last night I said to myself, Rico, you're reading like 20 minutes a day. You got to step that up. So I'm trying to do an hour a day. I did about 45 minutes on the treadmill. I just put my iPad on there and run through Kindle. So, yeah, dude. What was I talking about? Ukraine. The human suffering is terrible, but the world is filled with human suffering. And the fact that people are like putting badges and so forth on their, you know, Instagram bios and politicians are standing behind this and stuff. It's like, I don't know what it means. But I don't like the fact that I have to be skeptical about what it means. I don't enjoy that. There goes the washing machine. Hey, I'm blessed to have a washing machine. People in Ukraine right now, people in Yemen right now, people in Syria right now, the their washing machine might have been blown up or taken over by terrorists. So I'm grateful for this annoying-ass washing machine over there. And this is not the first podcast that I've done where the washing machine is going. And while I do it, I just stare at it. I don't, even, I don't look at the camera to those of you that even watch this thing. If, you, if you're watching the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. I'm ashamed of myself. I can't even tell my wife how many people subscribe to my podcast on YouTube. 
YouTube's like not a medium for podcasts sometimes, I think. I think it's more of like a clip-based medium. I don't know. I watch, some, I watch my news on YouTube. Um, is that bad? Is that good? Seems good. Of course, I'm also making up half-baked notions about what we should and shouldn't do about Ukraine. It is sketchy, though. Um, it's a wild time we're living in. But, you know, this is an inevitability. I was, I was, you know, Ray Dalio's new book, he uh, called uh, The Changing World Order. He showcases, and I, he showcases um, how hi- historical cycles tend to repeat themselves. And uh, we're in one of those cycles right now. I'm not going to try and, like, run through that today. Um, because I have more important things to talk about than the cyclical cycles that circle through our inevitable history. And that is the wet bandits from home alone. Take a sip of my coffee and leave you in suspense. Mm. Delicious. I make fun of my wife sometimes because we will start a long road trip. It doesn't happen when we're going to Kroger or up the road to, you know, go for a walk with the dogs or something. It's when we're going on a long trip and about 46 minutes into the trip, she will say, Hey, did you, did, did I turn the water off? And for a long time, I've called her the wet bandit. Because if you recall from home alone, one, not two home alone two, they're the sticky bandits where Merv covers his hand. <laughs> Covers his hands in tape and then walks by like um, the uh, Santa ringing the bell for Salvation Army. Just sticks his hand in there and gets like, you know, 374 in nickels and quarters stuck to his hand and peels it off. He's a sticky bandit. That's Home Alone 2. Home Alone 1 is the wet bandits where those two goofballs uh, rob people on the holidays and then Merv clogs the drains and runs the water. And so I've been calling Katie the sticky bandit for years. But, or the wet bandit. But it turns out, Jaboy is the wet bandit because I left the water running all night, two nights ago. Woke up on a Friday morning and I was like, all right, listen here, fella. You can go for a run. And we have a gym in our basement. And uh, so got up at, six o'clock went downstairs and my basement was raining which is not what it's supposed to do basements aren't supposed to rain and then I went upstairs and the sink had overflowed and it was leaking into the basement because I had left the water running who even leaves the water running you know what I have a bad habit and that bad habit is you know I'll finish a bowl of oatmeal I'll put it in the sink it's actually a good habit but it's a bad habit if you put a bowl of oatmeal in the sink, my wife's coming downstairs right now and she's going to distract me from the podcast. Katie, I'm talking about how you're the wet bandit. You're the wet bandit. See? She thinks I'm the wet bandit. But the good habit is that you, if you eat a bowl of oatmeal and then you put it in the sink without putting water in it, it turns into, it, it like solidifies like lava. You can't crack lava. But if it's wet, you can move it around. And so what I do is I'll, t- I'll finish something and I'll fill the bowl with water because I don't intend on doing it in that moment. But this is what I did. Had a little beans and rice. This is the most boring thing ever. It's, oh my God, I broke my microphone. As soon as Katie came downstairs, I became extremely self-conscious. And maybe this is why nobody watches my podcast on YouTube. I'm not going to talk about Ukraine. 
That's what you want me to do. You want me to talk about Ukraine. I'm not going to do it. Everybody's talking about Ukraine. Go listen to somebody else who knows more than I do. I happen to know a lot. Not to brag. I'm reading this book right now by a writer from the New York Times, and it's called On Building Character or something like that. I don't even know what it is. That's probably bad character. I don't even know the author's name or the title of the book. But what I'm reading right now is about how, you know, traditionally, um, one of the strengths of uh, effective people is that they've developed character before developing skills. And my students, my eighth grade English students, uh, about maybe two months back, a handful of them did some research on how different school systems are doing uh, things differently than the U.S. school system, which is a whole other conversation because I had some great conversations yesterday with some teachers about how to change things and how to enact change in the school system uh, for another podcast. But the punchline is that in a lot of other countries they focus on character before they focus on education and skills like um china does this i think one of the scandinavian countries do you even know what scandinavia is because i don't i'm pretty sure finland norwin norwind yeah tells you how much i know about i took european geography in college and um i think i dropped out of it because we had to do presentations and i used to be terrified of public speaking, especially in college. And I think it's because when it granted, I'm an English teacher, right? Meow. Um, and I majored in English, but I took a course my sophomore year of college. It's called technical editing and writing with a guy named Donald Sampson. And this guy was like, he was old school of old school, right? Like he might as well have had the wall street journal, uh, tattooed on his back. Like he was just this guy who was super businessy, um, skinny old white dude with like glasses, like picture that guy. Right. But it looked like he looked like the kind of guy who, um, probably went to Vietnam, but you know, didn't he, he, he like, uh, he was like the guy who ground coffee and saving private Ryan. You know what I mean? talked a lot about not making the course too ground or too, you know the grind too coarse or too fine and that that was his vibe but then now he's in, uh, like a like a, uh, a grammar teacher in college and I remember he asked me once classroom of like 40 some kids my sophomore year um, he asked the class like what's a conjunction ask yourself right now if you know what a conjunction is I will never forget what a conjunction is because of this moment he says to uh he says to class what's a conjunction nobody answers he looks at me you know because i'm a handsome guy right handsome fella i caught his eye caught the old man's eye he looks at me he says uh you uh, tell the class what a conjunction is i had no idea shouts out to the public education system i took honors english for two years I dual enrolled in an AP English course my senior year. I didn't know what a conjunction was. How does that work? How on earth could I have gone through that course load? Failure of the public education system. So he says to me, sir, what's a conjunction? He didn't say, sir. He said, you. (laughs) You know, because he didn't have power in Vietnam. He was just the guy who ground the coffee. But now he's got the power. He actually turned out to be a really nice guy. Uh, he's probably passed away right by now because he was every bit of 97 years old when he was teaching my course in college. But uh, what I answered with was, 
it's words like the and and or an I didn't say and because and is a conjunction answer to your quiz I said it's it's words like the and a and an an and he said you think that the is a conjunction I was I, I, I was apoplectic I just wanted to say apoplectic so that you knew that I actually understand literature like language and grammar now and I have a very rich vocabulary very rich I, said, I was apoplectic Google it, you thetans. Thetans are not the words I was the word I was looking for. I was looking for plebeian. A thetan in Scientology is a alien demon that possesses your body that you have to cleanse yourself of through L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology Dianetics. What was it? what the hell was that talking about? He says, "You think the is a conjunction?" And then I just couldn't say anything. Never went back to that class. <laughs> I was gone, man. I'm not going back in that room. Not a chance in hell going back in that classroom. Why did I bring that up? I have no idea. I'm not going to talk about Ukraine. I'm not going to do it. I'm not qualified. I'm a yoga teacher and an English teacher. You think I'm qualified? What I am qualified to do is say, in all fronts... We should question. Mark Twain once said, you find yourself on the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And that is part of my natural disposition to just be kind of a jerk and not, oh my God, stop playing with the microphone, Rico. Um, that's part of my disposition to just sort of do that and not listen to people because I always think that I'm right because I'm a narcissist. Ergo, you're listening to my podcast right now. But you're not subscribed on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you. And uh, so he says, uh, by this, if you find yourself on the uh, side of majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And what I think about when I think about that is if government and media and um, popular figures in the world are all saying the same thing, it doesn't mean that they're wrong, but it means that you should be skeptical. Um, specifically when the media and government are talking the same talk because the media should be poking holes in what the government is up to. That's their, it's the fourth estate. Like it goes all the way back to the French revolution. Like you're the fourth estate is important. Um, you, and they should be, uh, completely divorced from the government. So as soon as the government and the media are saying like, this is, a tragedy. This is terrible. Putin is out of control. Then what you need to be asking yourself is like, why is it that they're paying attention to this and not the fact that Saudi Arabia has been perpetrating a genocide against the Yemen uh, people of Yemen for how long? Multiple years. Nobody's doing anything about that. Um, the fact that a million kids were projected. I haven't checked up on these numbers, so it's because winter's over, at least in the east coast of the United States. Um, a million kids were projected to starve because the U.S. government wasn't going to release this, the um, funds attributed to the Afghani government because the Taliban took over. So it's like, you know, what are they trying to distract us from by all working in unison? I don't know. Apparently they're going after cryptocurrency. <sighs> I need to stop listening to Russell Brand because he's freaking me out. I've been trying, this is a conscious choice that I've been, a conscious choice that I've been making over the last two weeks 
in the absence of the podcast is to do less of the sort of like political observation and geopolitical, like, you know, thinking less about how the world is maneuvering uh, strategically. And I've been thinking more about fiscal policy and spirituality, which don't seem to be married to one another. Oftentimes people in the spiritual world of uh, whether it's, you know, organized religion or if it's people like Sam Harris who talk about spirituality in a context that's divorced of any sort of dogma. Um, I've been trying to listen to those people more as well as people who are talking about this, the monetary policy, because that that's th- those are layers underneath the th- fluctuations in yoga. They call it the chitta vritti, which is like the fluctuations in your mind. But the layer underneath all of the geopolitics of this person going this way and the media saying, hey, pay attention to this. Those things are um, the branches of a tree. But the real conversation happens at the root. Uh, Thoreau says, everywhere I see men hacking at the branches of injustice, but no one's chopping the root. And I think about that. I'm always trying to think of like, what is the, what is the layer underneath this? Like we're seeing these behaviors manifest. Um, why is it that we have a sense of obligation to the people of Ukraine when we don't feel the same sense of obligation to, um, you know, the Sudanese when they were being attacked by the Janjaweed in the early 2000s? You know what I mean? Or the, you know, tens of millions of kids who don't have access to clean drinking water in parts of rural India and Africa and Asia. It's like, why are we, why are we worried about this thing? That's the, the, the politicians should be worried about this. The people who manage the military, they should be worried about this. This should be their concern. This is not for us. Like as a populace, it's not for us to be concerned with Everybody, it's like everything is turned into sports where everybody has an opinion. Everybody is thinking that they have the insight on how to fix the problem or who's doing the wrong thing. And it's the same thing as debating whether who's, you know, whether uh, dated sports reference, but I'm going to say it. Who's a better quarterback, Eli Manning or um, the Patriots guy? <laughs> what is that? What is that guy? Tom Brady. It's like, or who's, who's, who's better, LeBron or Kobe or Kobe or Michael? Like, it's like these these are just debates that people are having because it's fun to, it's fun to do that but you know people's lives are at stake like we shouldn't be having fun at that we should be enacting change um at starting at the local level so i've been thinking about like what is money how does it work who makes those choices but how is it that we can figure out the like inherent impermanence of this existence and what spiritual tools can I use in order to become a more actualized version of myself in order to reduce the amount of suffering in the world? I can't fly to Yemen. I mean, I probably could, but it's not practical for me. It's not, they wouldn't want, they like, they don't want some white dude from Appalachia to come in there and tell them like, like how they should run things or it may be, maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm making an assumption, but this podcast I've been intentionally trying to make less serious, but you know, here I am. I did it. I got too serious again. I don't know, man. You know, I'm the wet bandit though. Don't you ever forget it. Don't forget your boy is the wet bandit. And, um, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Buying a house. Super stoked to buy a house. 
thing about buying a house is that it's hard to do. And um, I don't think they necessarily want us to do it. Keep it light, Rico. Don't get too serious. Don't get too serious. I watched the Royal Tenenbaums last night. Dude, if you've not seen the Royal Tenenbaums ever or in a while, it is one of the funniest movies. And it's so, like, tragic and touching and a beautiful piece of cinematography. I was listening to this Terrence McKenna lecture. He's talking about taste and how people um, in culture tend to have, they just have poor taste. Like, the tastes we have are kind of manufactured for us so that we can consume products. But, you know, I've, I've been trying to figure out what, my taste and aesthetic is um and if, if you were to look at the shelf behind me it's like very eclectic and random and i, I when i watched the royal tenenbaums last night i was thinking okay, there's there's real taste in this there's real like the color and the you know the like the sort of retro products of like the record players and you know it's very record player aesthetic i guess i would call it um when I was in college, my senior thesis was on ethics and aesthetics. Um, it was, what was the title of it? It was um, ethics and oh god, did I just break something? Ethics and aesthetics: a look at the work of Toni Morrison. And so I read like everything. I think I read every novel Toni Morrison had written up to that point in 2011. I think she produced maybe three or four more after that uh, before she died. And each of them is sort of an observation of uh, the black community uh, and the struggles that they experienced in and the hopes they have for the future all throughout the 20th century uh, and, pri and prior. Um, there's another book that she made. I don't know. I can't remember. I have to look back at her like novel list, but the idea of aesthetics I think is really interesting. And I've always been able to see that and identify that in language and in my writing. I, I like, I have a very distinct style that I feel I've cultivated over time, which is constantly evolving. Um, the way I choose words and so forth. But when it comes to visual aesthetics, um, like Katie asked me today, like what color are my eyes? I was like, uh, the uh, beautiful color. <laughs> And I think it's because I just don't pay much attention to color. Like, I'm wearing a black hoodie right now. I want to cultivate that. They say that, um, you know, they read these logs, these, um, like, journals from sailors uh, back in the 18th and 19th century. All, I guess all the way back. I, don't, I, don't, I can't speak to a specific century, but I don't even know where I learned this. But they say that they used to, I think it was all the way back to Homer with the Iliad and the Odyssey. I think Homer describes the sea as a wine color which is like not how i would identify the sea but the color the people you know people theorize that that color is attributed to the fact that there was a lack of color in a lot of communities and neurologically if you haven't seen a color and had it contrasted with the ones you know you don't really see color in the same way i just finished this book called um this podcast is just going to be me bragging how much I read. Um, what was it called? Unthinkable, a journey through the world's most unique minds. Um, and it was written by this woman. I've been noticing I've been reading a lot of more female nonfiction writers over the last two or three months. And it's interesting 
to notice the differences in style. Um, and this could, I mean, it's a small sample size. I probably read three or four books from female writers over the last couple months. I read almost entirely nonfiction, but their style is more narrative based, even though they're writing nonfiction, which kind of speaks to, you know, kind of a difference between men and women. Like the, the men, the books that I read, like even a guy like Malcolm Gladwell, who uses a lot of narrative in his nonfiction, it, it's, it's way more, it's like, it's, it's more linear. It's more, um, like boxy and like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Whereas at least these three or four women that I've read over the last couple of weeks, I read dopamine, um, dopamine nation, I think is what it's called, but it's, it's more like, I don't know. It's like the difference between your dad telling you, uh, what happened at work and your mom telling you what happened at work. Like there's more detail in mom's story that, is more about establishing character of the people involved and less about the facts, like the, the matter of the situation. And so it's nice. It's nice to see like a different style because so much nonfiction is written by men. And I think that limits our capacity to have a different style of ingesting fiction, you know, or nonfiction rather. I'm not going to talk about Ukraine. You can't make me. I um what else? I got anything else for you guys? I don't think I do. Let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy. What do you say? I genuinely hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're taking time to dig around and find the roots of things. Instead of always looking at the branches. And that doesn't have to be the negative, like, finding injustice. But what's the root of gives you satisfaction instead of the quick dopamine branches? You know what I'm saying? All right, guys. I'll see you on the next one.